Pastor Jim Graff's significant church network is equipping hundreds of ministry leaders across America to maximize their impact where the Lord has called them. From our bi-weekly live webinars to SCN's annual leadership gathering, we want to empower churches and leaders who are often overlooked in the heart of America. This year's Significant Church Network Leadership Retreat will be held January 29th through the 31st in the Woodlands, Texas. To learn more about the Significant Church National Leadership Retreat, visit SignificantChurch.com today. Welcome, everybody. We're so glad you joined us today, and we hope 2024 is off to a great start for you. We pray it'll be a year where you believe in and become more of what God made to satisfy your heart. We're in a teaching series where we're learning to do that. We're learning to live resilient with the resilience God promises to reward. Last week, we talked about how it takes more than willpower to succeed. It takes God's power. Today, we're going to talk about how it takes an honest heart, too. It really does. That's why we're asking the question, am I being honest with myself, really? Usually, change begins within us. It starts with our hearts and then affects our habits. And when habits change, so does our world. That's why God wants us to learn to take an honest look within us that prepares us to overcome the world that's around us. I hope you enjoyed today's message. Last week, we started a series called Resilient, and we talked about turning tough times around. And you've heard the phrase before, probably, tough times don't last, but tough people do, right? How do we be the kind of people who learn how to be resilient, who learn how to be the kind of people where tough times, they don't stop us? Last week, Pastor Jim kicked it off, and he talked about how resilience is more than just a decision. And it was a great message if you didn't get to catch it. And it's also very true, right? I could make a decision today that I want to run a marathon, but that's not enough, right? It's going to take some hard work. There's going to be some adversity and some things that come against my desire to want to run that marathon. And it's the same way with resilience, right? It's going to be more than a decision, but there's good news today. The Bible teaches us skills that can help us be resilient. I believe every single person in this room today can learn how to be resilient. And I want to talk about one of those skills this morning. It has to do with honesty. Honesty is important, right? How many of you would follow somebody who isn't honest? How many of you guys want to be led by somebody who you can't trust? No way, right? Honesty, trust, these things are important. And and my guess would be that for most of us in this room today, those would be core values in our life. But you know who I've found personally, sometimes we have a tough time being honest with is ourselves, right? We have a tough time sometimes being honest with ourselves. And here's the title of today's teaching. And this is a big question that I think we should all ask ourselves is this. Am I being honest with myself really? And I put the really in there because I do that with my kids. I'll ask them a question and they'll give me an answer. And if I'm not satisfied with the answer, I'll say, really? And they'll kind of think about it. And then they'll give me the real answer, right? Because today, most of us, when I ask that question, we'd probably say, sure, of course, I'm being honest with myself, but I just want to ask the question, are we really? Did you know each and every single one of us, we have a story that we tell ourselves? Some of it true, some of it perspective, but no matter how true that story is, it's true for us, and it impacts our life, right? Let me give you an example, okay? This is kind of silly, but I've been here before. You're sleeping, 
You're having a good night's sleep, and then the kids or the dog or your neighbor, one of them wake you up, right? 30 minutes before your alarm's going to go off. 30 minutes. You can't go back to bed if it's 30 minutes, right? So you know that. So you say, all right, I'm just going to get up. But you're thinking to yourself, man, I really needed that extra 30 minutes of sleep today. I'm going to be tired all day now, and it's a long day, right? So you go and you get dressed and, and hopefully you brush your teeth and then you go to the, to the kitchen and you make yourself some coffee and, and you, you spill the coffee on the counter and you're thinking, I knew it. I'm tired. I'm clumsy. This is just going to be one of those days, right? It's going to be a long day. As you're cleaning up your coffee, your wife walks in and she kindly reminds you that you guys made plans after work. And you think to yourself, oh man, it's already a long day, right? It's already going to be a long day. I don't want to have more to do after work. But you know that you made plans, so you tell her, all right, and you walk out of the door, kind of frustrated because you've already had a long morning, right? You walk outside and it's 95 degrees out. (laughs) You think to yourself, why do I put up with this heat? Why has it got to be so hot? Why do I live in Texas? Now, I can give you a hundred good reasons to live in Texas. But what happened? You're frustrated. You're having a bad day, right? Because why? Well, you've told yourself, you're tired. I've had a rough day. Kind of a silly example, but you worked yourself up, right? I think we've all been there. And the truth is, not only do we tell ourselves stories every day, but some of us, we've been telling ourselves a story our entire lives. Stories like this. Well, I'm just not the kind of person that people really like. Well, I'm just not that smart. I just always seem to mess things up. And we've been telling ourselves this our entire lives. And oftentimes these stories, they can, they can be subconscious. We don't even realize that they're there. I heard a story about an eagle, and the egg somehow fell into a chicken coop, and it hatched. And the eagle came out of the egg, and he looked around, and he saw a bunch of chickens. So he thought to himself, I must be a chicken. So he learned how to act like a chicken. He learned how to walk like a chicken, do all the chicken things, never realizing what an amazing, beautiful creature he was. No offense to the chickens, but never realizing that he could soar, right? Why? Why? Because in his head, he was a chicken. And I think we got a lot of people who need to stop acting like chickens and act like children of God. Amen? That was too easy. But listen, I'm not talking about ignoring realities because we've all seen enough episodes of American Idol or America's Got Talent to know that we all have gifts and we all have limitations. And we have to be honest to those. But my question is this. Am I being honest about the story that I'm telling myself? I want to be honest with me. And as I was, you know, God was giving me this message, I was getting convicted myself because there are things in my life that, man, I want to see done that I haven't done yet. And it's really easy for me to make excuses because, oh, maybe I'm too busy or, you know, I have these responsibilities or these other pressures in my life. And it can be a little bit unnerving to stop and to look myself in the mirror and ask, hey, Is all that true or are those just stories you're telling yourself? Because once I answer that question, I'm accountable, right? It's easy to kind of hide behind the comfort of the story that I tell myself because I'm not accountable. I can believe that all of my problems are because of whatever story that I tell myself. I may still have the problems, but at least it's not my fault. But then what happens? Nothing changes, right? You go from disappointment to disappointment, because in your story, there's nothing that you can do about it. So today, this question, it's not meant for condemnation. I hope you don't hear condemnation in my voice as we talk today. 
This, this question is about bringing things into the light. You know, the devil, he has power over things that are left in the dark, right? And he will try so hard to keep the things that are hurting us in the dark. Ephesians 5.11, it says, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of the dark, but rather expose them. Why? Because when we expose them, we find answers. It's when we expose the lie that we find the truth. And you guys know John 8.32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many of you guys want to live in freedom this morning? Amen. Some of you, man, you need the truth spoken over you. Some of you have been told, man, your whole life you've told yourself, uh, nobody wants me. I was an accident. My parents don't want me. My siblings don't want me. No guy, no girl could ever want me. I, I really have no value in life. And that's your story. But can I tell you the truth? Our Bible says that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Our Bible says that you are a child of God, that God has plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. Our Bible says that God doesn't make mistakes, and it says that you are valuable. But you have to believe that story. See, some of you are thinking, man, I'll, I'll never be any good with money, right? My parents didn't know how to manage money. I'm just going to have to kind of, nobody's ever taught me anything. I'm just going to kind of have to struggle. But did you know this? I didn't realize this. There are 2,350 verses in the Bible about things like money. Have you read them? Have you learned what God says about stewardship and about money and about provision? We have small group classes here about things like financial literacy and how we steward our possessions. But if we tell ourselves stories that disqualify us, we rob ourselves of the potential that God's placed inside of us. And it's powerful because there's something that exists in each and every one of us called confirmation bias. How many of you guys are familiar with that term? It basically means this. We seek out opinions that already confirm what we already believe. That's why, guys, some of us love certain sportscasters and we hate other ones. That's why we love the guys who tell us that the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> and we hate the haters, right? It's why... You know, we search social media or, or YouTube or whatever to find the opinions that agree with what we believe. It's called confirmation bias. We naturally tend to seek opinions that confirm what we already believe. And the Bible knows this. Proverbs 18.2, it says, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but only in airing out their own opinions. We can think of a few people that way, right? No looking around. In other words, wisdom seeks understanding. And I'm willing to bet that most of us in this room today, man, we have something in us that we want to let out, disappointments that we want to overcome. And I believe part of that question is understanding. It's asking, am I being honest with myself, really? And as we dive deeper, I want to give you good news. You have hope in Jesus. If you're feeling convicted today, if you're saying, oh man, like, I'm definitely that person, listen, I don't want you to feel condemned. In fact, I want to appreciate you for being open because the truth is I think every single one of us in this room today could benefit from asking ourselves this question in certain areas of our lives. In fact, the Bible is full of people who God used in a big way who weren't honest with themselves for a, a big portion of their lives. I thought I would give you a few examples and see if you can relate this morning. There was a guy named Gideon. You guys know Gideon? God came to Gideon and he said, Gideon, I want to use you to save Israel. 
And here was Gideon's response in Judges 6.15. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I'm not good enough, God. God, do you know my family? Do you know where I come from? Every excuse. God, do you know I'm weak? I'm not strong enough to do what you're asking me to do. But yet God used Gideon to save Israel. Here's another one. Abraham and Sarah. God told Abraham and Sarah that they would have a son and that he would do great things through their offspring. Genesis 18 Verse 12, so Sarah laughed to herself saying, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? I never noticed this before, but Sarah didn't say she was old. She said Abraham was old. (laughs) Notice that? That's how you know this is true, right? Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Some of you guys this morning, you think my time has passed. You think, I missed my chance. I've missed my opportunity. Maybe you're, you know, towards the latter parts of your life and you think, I'm too old. All my best days are behind me. But listen, let me encourage you. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Here's another one. Peter was amazing. God used Peter in a big way to build his church. He said, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. But Peter struggled with pride at one point. You guys probably know the story. In Matthew chapter 26, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the disciples said the same. God, I would never do something like that. God, I know some people struggle with that, but I would never struggle with that. And then what happens? Well, you stop setting boundaries. You stop doing the things that you know you're supposed to do because after all, you're fine, right? And all of a sudden, pride comes before a fall, right? We know Peter denied Jesus. Sometimes we tell ourselves stories of pride. We're not honest with ourselves. Here's the last one, Moses. You guys know Moses. He did great things for God, right? Did you know that when Moses was younger and living in Egypt, he killed somebody? He got mad at somebody, uh, at an Egyptian who was who was mistreating a slave and he, he killed him and he fled Egypt for his life. He spent 40 years working for his father-in-law thinking, I will never go back to Egypt. And then what happened? God showed up and he said, I want you to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Exodus 3 verse 11, here was Moses' response. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Some of you today, man, we're thinking, who am I? God, you know the things that I've done. God, you know the mistakes that I've made. How could you ever really use me? Who am I? But what happened? God used Moses to free the slaves, right? To free the Israelites. I'm here to tell you that whether you, you know, are worried about not being good enough, worried that you're too old, that your time has passed, Whether you're worried about your past, listen, I'm here to tell you that God takes pleasure in using the down and out. God takes pleasure in using people that no one thought could for his glory. Maybe it's excuses. Maybe you don't think you're good enough. Maybe you think I'm too old and I missed my chance. Or maybe you're even too prideful to admit that there are things in your life that need addressed. I don't know your story, but let me tell you what I know. I know his story. His story is that he loved you so much that he gave his only son. 
His story is that there's nothing too difficult for him. His story is that he has plans to give you a hope, to give you a future. So let me encourage you, man. Let's be honest with ourselves. Let's get out of his way. Amen? Let's not stand in his way, but let's stand on his promises. So this morning, you say, that sounds good. How do I do that? What do we do now? I want to give you three things that I believe can help us learn to not stand in our story, but stand on his promises for our life. How to be honest with myself, really. Here's the first thing. I believe we have to assume responsibility. Everybody say responsibility. Listen to this verse. It's an amazing verse to be reminded of today. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. We demolish, everybody say demolish, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love the strong language here because he's saying we don't play around when it comes to our thought life. We demolish any thought that is not of God. Why do you think he's so strong? Because our thoughts are important. Our thoughts, they become our beliefs. Our beliefs, they affect our actions. Our actions, they become our habits. Our habits, they create our future. So whose responsibility is it to steward our thoughts? It's ours, right? Your thoughts are your responsibility. Now, I don't want you to feel condemned every time a bad thought becomes in, comes into your mind because the truth is thoughts will come. Your responsibility is the thoughts that you let live. As Christians, we are charged to demolish any thoughts or stories we tell ourselves that do not line up with God's word. It's our responsibility. And this is good news. You know why? If it wasn't our responsibility, guess what? We'd have no control. And if we had no control, we'd have no power to make decisions that impact our future. Have you met people like that before? People who, who take no responsibility, right? People who, who everything that happens to them is always something else, somebody else's fault. And what happens? Well, they're never able to solve problems, right? Because they've given away their responsibility and therefore they've given away their power to change it. Now let me stop for a moment and I want to acknowledge something. I know there are people in this room who have been through unthinkable trauma in your life. There are people in this room who have had things happen to you that never should have happened to you. I've talked to people whose stories have, have broken my heart. But this is what I'm trying to say this morning, that whoever did you wrong does not have the power to keep you down. You are a child of God. Amen? And listen, when we learn to surrender to him, when we learn to do it his way, man, he can take us further than we ever thought possible in our lives. Psalm 34, 18, it says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You have a savior and his name is Jesus. So number one, let's assume responsibility. Let's understand that we have the ability and the responsibility to take our thoughts captive. Let's be aware of the story that we're telling ourselves every day. Here's the second thing. Let's ask the tough questions. Everybody say ask. Yes. Psalm 139 verse 23 King David, he said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. 
What do you do when you're disappointed? Do you sulk? Do you get angry? Do you look for every reason and excuse as to why you're disappointed? Maybe you feel bad about being disappointed and you, and you try to stuff it. Or maybe you order two extra large pizzas from Pizza Hut. Just kidding. Actually, this is Victoria. Let me rephrase that. Maybe you order two extra large pizzas from Nikki's Roma or Joe's Pizza, all right? We're not a big city, but we got some, big, some good food, amen? You know what I believe about disappointment? I believe disappointment can be one of our greatest teachers. I don't know how many of you guys know President Abraham Lincoln's story, but there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of failure. But eventually he became one of the greatest figures in American history. Why? Because of the way he dealt with disappointment. Here's a quote from Honest Abe. He said, my greatest concern is not whether you failed, but whether you are content with your failure. You know who else dealt with disappointment and failure? It was King David. King David had a lot of good, but he had a lot of disappointment. His father-in-law tried to kill him. One of his sons tried to overthrow him as king. He lost his best friend in battle. He made uh, incredibly bad decisions that took an incredible toll on his life. And here we find him in Psalm 139, and he's saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Can I encourage you today? If you're experiencing disappointment in any area of your life, stop and ask the tough questions. Stop and say, God, know my heart. God, test my thoughts. I thought of a few questions that can help with this, and this list is by no means exhaustive. There's a lot of good resources out there to help you. But I think these four questions can be really helpful when we experience disappointment. Here's one question. Are my expectations in line with God's promises? I don't know about you, but I've met a lot of people, including myself, who have had expectations that are either way too low or way too high, especially in relationships. And it can lead to disappointment. But if we stop and we say, God, are my expectations in line with your word? Here's another one. Am I seeking fulfillment in the right things? Should I really care about this as much as I care about it? That's a good question, right? Another one is this. Am I currently grateful for what I have? I know I've been guilty before of being so focused on what I don't have, what I can't attain, that, man, I miss out on the incredible blessings that are right in front of me. Here's another one for you. Am I asking God how to move forward? How many of you know we can get pretty tired? And disappointed when we try to do it in our own strength. Amen? So number one, let's assume responsibility. Let's take responsibility for the story that we tell ourselves. Number two, let's ask the right questions. Let's not just soak in our disappointment, but let's ask questions that can help us move forward. Number three, let's align our story with God's story. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, examine yourself to see whether you are in faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Romans 8, the mind governed by flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. In other words, are your thoughts governed by flesh? Are they governed by what you think, about what you feel and what you see, or are they governed by the Spirit? Are they governed by God's Word and His promises over your life? You may look right now and see in the natural 
nothing but disappointment, nothing but failure, and you can think of all the reasons why you can't. But can I tell you what God sees? He sees your potential. He sees his promises over your life. So which truth are you going to believe this morning? Whose story are you going to believe this morning? Any of you guys remember that old song? This is an old one, so maybe some of you will remember. Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Anybody remember that? All the older people in the 9 o'clock, right? You guys, you guys don't remember that. <clears throat> Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I, I looked up the lyrics. We used to sing in it when I was a kid. His report says, I am healed. His report says, I am filled. His report says, I am free. His report says, victory. Amen. Hebrews 11. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we believe. What we believe matters. And I don't know about you, man, but I want to be the kind of person that believes God's promises over my life. I want to be the kind of person that's honest enough with myself really to say, you know what, that thought right there, that's a Michael thought. That's how I feel today. But you know what I truly believe? I believe God's word over my life. I believe God's promises over my life. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I'm going to truly put my trust in him. And that's going to start by the way I think. Let me end with a story. I heard this story about a homeless man. He uh, lived in the Northeast and he was a drug addict and had pretty much, you know, thrown his life away. He had pretty much lost everything due to addiction and was living on the streets and, and basically just waiting to die. He had told himself that, you know, he had made so many bad decisions and he would never get over addiction. And like I said, he was just waiting to die. And then one day someone found him and they told him about a church who helped homeless people. And they said, you should go check it out. So he went. And he really just went to get some help with maybe some food or clothing. And he ended up showing up on the day of a service. And so he sat in on the service. And he heard the preacher talking about a God who loved him. Heard the preacher talking about how God made him beautifully and wonderfully made. How God had a purpose for his life and plans to give him a hope and a future. And, and he didn't really understand what he was hearing, but it resonated with him. And so he went and he talked to the pastor after service and the pastor just encouraged him to continue coming. So he did. He came back the next week and he started hearing more about a God who loved him and, and the promises and the purpose that he had. And he came the next week and the next week and continued coming. And people started noticing. He started looking a little bit different. Started taking a little bit different care of himself. He was, you know, standing up straight. He, he, was, he, was, he got himself a job and the pastor you know, noticed that he had potential in his life, that he was a good communicator, and, and he just continued to grow as a person. And you fast forward years later, he became an associate pastor at a large church in the Northeast. Why? Because he changed the story that he was telling himself. And I don't know about you, man, but I don't want to live out my own stories in my life. I want to live out God's promises in my life. Amen? That was such good insight, Michael. And I thank you for sharing God's word so well. I loved how you talked about that eagle who thought he was a chicken. 
and you help to see that how we see ourselves really affects our choices and our consequences. And that's why we need to think more about what we're thinking about. And we need to make sure it's really in line with how God's seeing things. That's so true. There are a lot of great people in the Bible who God couldn't use until their honesty allowed God to challenge their heart and it changed their perspective. I'm glad we can learn from them and live in God's best. Yeah, next week we'll be back with part three. And you won't want to miss what scripture teaches about predictable stress in our life and about the pathway to experiencing a great God story in the midst of it. Remember, you can always catch up on past messages by visiting us at asignificantlife.com. Thanks for joining us. Pastor Jim Graff's Significant Church Network is equipping hundreds of ministry leaders across America maximize their impact where the Lord has called them. From our bi-weekly live webinars to SCN's annual leadership gathering, we want to empower churches and leaders who are often overlooked in the heart of America. By coming alongside local pastors, we all become stronger together for God's greatest impact. We offer encouragement to those working hard for the kingdom through pastoral coaching, helpful resources, and a powerful connection of like-minded leaders. This year's Significant Church Network Leadership Retreat will be held January 29th through the 31st in Woodlands, Texas. If you or your church leaders are looking for a special time to recharge, we invite you to invest in yourself and your congregation to prepare for another year of what God has in store for your ministry. The SCN National Leadership Retreat is a time to slow down, reconnect, and to build new ministry relationships. Join Pastor Jim Graff in the Woodlands, Texas, January 29th through the 31st, or to learn more about the Significant Church National Leadership Retreat, or Pastor Jim Graff's Significant Church Network, visit significantchurch.com today. That's significantchurch.com.